ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن الا وانتم مسلمون يا ايها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحده وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والارham ان الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما اما بعد my brothers and sisters in islam Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praises our Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam by describing him in the Qur'an as وَإِنَّكَ لَعَلَى خُلُقٍ عَظِيمٍ And surely you are of a very noble rank when it comes to your manners, when it comes to your akhlaq. وَإِنَّكَ لَعَلَى خُلُقٍ عَظِيمٍ And our Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is reminded in the Qur'an that had he not had good manners, if he did not have good akhlaq, وَلَوْ كُنْتَ فَضًّا غَلِيظَ الْقَلْبِ لَنْفَضُّ مِنْ حَوْلِكَ If you were harsh in your characteristics, and you had a hard heart when you dealt with people, then the people would have turned away from you. And therefore, our Prophet ﷺ is made a role model for us when it comes to good manners. And even he despite his rank and stature, is reminded that if you did not have good manners, even if you have the wahi coming down, and you have the greatest rank, and you have, and you have, and you have, but if you do not have good manners, then your whole da'wah will be ineffective. There's no point in calling people to that which you do not have good manners. And that is why our Prophet ﷺ said, إِنَّمَا بُعِثْتُ لِأُتَمِّمَ مَكَارِمَ الْأَخْلَاقِ The only reason Allah has sent me is to perfect مَكَارِمَ الْأَخْلَاقِ لِأُتَمِّمَ مَكَارِمَ الْأَخْلَاقِ So that I can perfect the best of all manners. And no doubt, my dear brothers and sisters, the topic of akhlaq and adab is a constant topic of our khutab and our durus. But wallahi, we still find the ummah so lacking in akhlaq. We still find the ummah not knowing how to treat others, Muslims and non-Muslims, elders and youngsters. We find them lacking in this manner. And so we need to keep on reminding ourselves and we need to keep on reminding others of the importance of akhlaq. And in today's short khutbah, I decided that we will summarize some of the main blessings of akhlaq mentioned in the Quran and Sunnah in seven characteristics. So that insha'Allah ta'ala, each one of us can be more motivated, can be more eager to perfect our mannerisms. And this is human nature that when we learn the blessing of something, we become more eager to get it. When we learn the benefits of something, our desire to attain that benefit becomes even more. And so insha'Allah, I will remind myself and all of you of seven simple blessings that the Quran has mentioned and the Prophet has mentioned of good akhlaq so that the goal of the khutbah we will be motivated to have good akhlaq throughout the day and night. Our Prophet of these seven blessings 
Our Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, whenever a sahabi came to him and asked for comprehensive advice, almost always that comprehensive advice was about manners. Remember the sahabi that came and said, Ya Rasulullah, give me advice. And the Prophet said, don't get angry. This was not theology, this was not ethics, this was not some deep fiqh. Do not get angry. In Arabic, two words, la taghdab. The man felt shortchanged. He said, no, I want some advice. Awsini, give me something real. Yani, I want something big. And the Prophet kept on saying, la taghdab, la taghdab, la taghdab. And this is all about manners. And once Mu'adh ibn Jabal came and the Prophet gave him advice. And he said, oh Mu'adh, and some of the scholars say, this is of the last sermon that he gave to Mu'adh. The very last, when Mu'adh left for Yemen, and he gave him a little bit of a lecture. And this is the last phrase that was in that lecture, that, O oh Mu'adh, have taqwa of Allah wherever you are. And whenever you do a bad deed, follow it up with a good deed. And the last thing he said to him, wherever you are with the people, have the best akhlaq when you meet with them. Make sure when you're with the people and interact with them, then meet with them and interact with them in the best of all manners. Another sahabi came for advice and our Prophet ﷺ said, avoid the major sins, and overlook the faults of other people. Overlook the faults, be forgiving, be gentle. And all of this goes back to akhlaq because what makes you bad akhlaq with somebody, it's his faults with you. What makes you angry and irritated when he does something to you? And so our Prophet is telling the first Sahabi, don't get angry. He's telling Mu'adh, when you meet with people, meet with them in the best manner. This third Sahabi, he's saying, you know when people do things to you, just overlook it. Don't be so petty and harsh with them. And all of this shows us that almost always when somebody came for advice to the Prophet what advice would he give? Something to do with the perfection of manners. And this shows us how important it is. A second blessing of akhlaq. Our Prophet ﷺ said that people cannot be given any blessing better in the eyes of Allah than husn al-khuluq. No one is blessed with a better blessing than husn al-khuluq, which means good manners. Your money, your wealth, everything is secondary. Because how many are the people that have money but they are despised by mankind? How many are those that have other worldly blessings but the people hate them? And yet, wallahi, a person might have nothing of this dunya, but he's nice and gentle and kind, and he is the most beloved in the whole community. Why? Because of good akhlaq. So, good manners is the best treasure that you can have, that people can appreciate you for. And our Prophet ﷺ, in one other advice, he said to one of the sahaba, he said, I advise you to have good manners. Alayka bi husnul khuluq. I encourage you and advise you to have good manners and also observe long periods of silence. For by the one in whose hands is my soul, the creation is not beautified by anything better than these two things. The creation is not beautified in any matter better than these two things. What are these two things? Husn al khuluq and then keeping your mouth silent as long as you can. The less you talk, the more problems you will get. The more you open your mouth, the more you will hurt people. Right? So the Prophet ﷺ said, what are those two things that are the most beautiful, the most handsome in any human being? Good akhlaq 
being quiet for long periods of time. Less not being talkative, not being always uh, uh, open mouth. So the Prophet told another Sahabi, this is what I advise you. Good manners and husn al-khuluq. Why? Because nothing beautifies a person more than good manners and long silence. This is a second blessing of akhlaq. A third blessing of akhlaq. And this blessing is one that I find great encouragement in and I think most of you will as well. That most of us, we know that we are shortchanging our religion when it comes to the worship of Allah. We know that we are not worshiping Allah the, the way that we should. We know that we are not fasting and praying and Quran and dhikr as much as we should. And we feel an immense sense of guilt and we should feel an immense sense of guilt. But there is a way that we can get those blessings. Our Prophet ﷺ said that a righteous Muslim meaning a Muslim who prays and, and is the basic Muslim, and a Muslim that is avoiding the major sins, a righteous Muslim can achieve the level of the one who sawam qawwam. Sawam means he's fasting all the time. Qawwam means he's praying tahajjud every night. That the Muslim who's okay, he's decent. Now notice here, we're going to come back to this point. He didn't say the Muslim who's not praying. He said, the Muslim who's average, he's okay. He's avoiding the major sins, he's praying the prayers. That Muslim can reach the level of the elite Muslim, sawam al-qawwam. The one who's fasting, the one who's praying all night, bihusni khuluqihi. Simply through his good akhlaq. And so, when we look at those in the past, or even we might know somebody, we know they're praying tahajjud two, three hours a night, we know that they're this and that. Well, realize that if you cannot do this, there is a means that you can do to get to that level. Layablugh, he will get to that level. How so? By his good akhlaq, simply by having good manners. Allah Azza wa Jal will elevate your rank to be equal to the one who will achieve that rank simply through hard ibadah. And there is no doubt that this is good consolation for the many of us. We find ourselves shortcoming when it comes to the Quran and dhikr and ibadah, well here is a way we can make that up, that this is the blessing of akhlaq, you will get to the level of the one who is a very righteous worshiper, simply by your akhlaq. Another blessing of akhlaq, the fourth blessing of akhlaq our Prophet wasallam said that having good manners is really a sign of iman and therefore if you don't have good manners you really don't have iman in one simple hadith that we have all heard so many times, The most perfect of believers in their iman, The one who has the most kamil iman, is the one who has ahsanuhum khuluqa, is the one who has the best manners. And therefore, having good manners goes hand in hand with having iman in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is also proven in the other hadith, which is very famous, simply two words, and it really summarizes the gist of akhlaq in Islam. Ad-deenu al-mu'amala. Ad-deenu al-mu'amala. The religion is judged by how you interact with others. Ad-deen al-mu'amala. How do you know somebody's religion? How do you know what is your real religion? It's not just in the Qur'an and dhikr. Notice that has a place, of course, because no matter how good you are, as we'll come to, if you don't worship Allah, that's not good enough. You have to worship Allah. But then how do you judge somebody beyond the five prayers and avoiding drinking and whatnot? Ad-deenu al-mu'amala. How does he treat other people? Does he show respect? Is he kind and courteous? Is he controlling of his anger? Is he generous? Is he somebody who use, whose words you can respect and trust? Or is he the opposite of this? Ad-deenu al-mu'amala. 
mu'amala. And so our Prophet said, the best of all believers in their iman are those who have the best akhlaq. And in one hadith, the Prophet described these people. And he said, they are those who ya'lafuna wa yu'lafun, which means they are friendly with others and they allow people to be friendly with them. That there are those who find comfort in being friendly, being generous, being always on the giving edge, on the giving end. This is of the characteristic of good akhlaq. In another hadith, the Prophet described what is the one who's good akhlaq? He said, Al-Mawtu'una Aknafan, which is an expression, and it literally translates, their necks are stepped on. Their necks are stepped on. This is one meaning of this phrase. And the meaning here is they are humble, they are modest, they're not arrogant. They're not going to be those who are rejecting something. Rather, they are very gentle and humble. And in yet another hadith, the Prophet said that the believer is humble and modest. Wherever he is led, he goes there. Meaning, he's not going to cause a commotion. He is a gentle, sweet person. And wherever he is led by his friends, by his relatives to do something to help out, obviously not in sin, it's understood. Wherever he's led for a good cause, he will go along with that cause. Wherever he is led, he will go to that place. And the meaning here is, they're humble, they're modest. And Allah Azza wa Jal describes this in the Quran. Who are the Ibadur Rahman? This is a description. Who are the real servants of Ar-Rahman? They are the ones who are walking with gentleness on this earth. They're walking with the utmost humility. And when the ignorant people, they try to have a fight with them, they say something harsh to them, they say, Salam. They don't want to get involved in this type of debate and, and, and fighting. And our Prophet said, the mu'min is layyinun hayyin. A characteristic of mu'min. The mu'min is layin and hayin. And these are almost synonyms, but it means they're gentle and they are modest and humble. They're not arrogant. They're not uh, 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 vainglorious. Our sharia tells us that good akhlaq and good iman, they go hand in hand. And therefore, our fifth point of the blessing of good akhlaq, and it makes complete sense where, uh, from the fourth point, that the people with the good akhlaq are the ones whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves. And the people with Without good akhlaq are the ones whom Allah Azza wa Jal does not love. We know from the beautiful hadith in uh, Sahih Muslim that our Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, Inna Allaha jameelun yuhibbul jamal. That Allah is beautiful and He loves beauty. Wa yuhibbu makarim al-akhlaqi. And He loves the good manners. Wa yakrahu safasihaha. And He hates the low and the debased manners. Allah is beautiful and loves beauty. And a part of beauty is to have good manners. In fact, didn't our Prophet say, the most beautiful thing in a person is good manners. And so when our Prophet said, Allah is beautiful and loves beauty, he immediately said, and therefore he loves good manners. Because good manners are what make a person the most handsome, the most beautiful in the eyes of other people. And no matter how beautiful or handsome you are physically, if you are arrogant, if you are boasting, if you have uh, contempt for other people, if you have bad akhlaq, of what use is that beauty? But wallahi, if your external looks, however they might be, if you have a loving heart, a gentle characteristic, a humble nature, the world loves you, society loves you, Allah loves you, the, the, the people love you. And this is what our Prophet is saying, Allah is beautiful and loves beauty. So Allah loves beautiful manners. 
and he hates وَيَكْرَهُ So Allah hates سَفَاسِهَهَا The bad manners. And in one hadith, our Prophet ﷺ said, shouldn't I tell you that the person for whom Jannah has been made haram? Shouldn't I tell you the person for whom Jannah has been made haram? They said, who, O Messenger of Allah? What did he say? The murderer, the criminal, the rapist. What did he say? The one who has a vulgar tongue, uncouth manners and characteristics, and arrogance in his heart. The one who has a vulgar tongue, al-badhi. Whenever he speaks, people cringe. Oh my God, he's going to open his mouth again. Because vulgar mouth, putting people down, sarcastic, always having something bad to say. The one whose demeanor is off-putting for people. The one who, he has arrogance in his heart. Al-mutafaykihun means he has kibir in his heart. And our Prophet said, Jannah has been made haram for this person. The one who has vulgar tongue, vulgar heart, vulgar characteristics, that is the one that Jannah is haram for. And therefore, dear brothers and sisters, the one who has good akhlaq, beloved to Allah, the one who has bad akhlaq, despised of Allah, and Jannah has shut its doors for him. The sixth blessing of good akhlaq, and again, all of these are related, but again, it makes us more eager to have it, is that akhlaq, good manners, are the weightiest things in the scales after our iman in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. On the mizan, on the day of judgment. And obviously, if akhlaq are the heaviest thing in the mizan, then it is the easiest to get into Jannah with if you have heavy akhlaq. And this is exactly what our Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said. Hadith is in Tirmidhi. أَثْقَلُ الْخُلُقِ The heaviest thing in the scales will be good akhlaq. There's nothing heavier than, obviously after Iman and, and La ilaha illallah, we learn this from other ahadith that La ilaha illallah is the heaviest in the scale. After you have La ilaha illallah, what can you add to your scale that will have your other side forgiven? And this is good news to us sinners. We have plenty of sins and Allah knows our sins. But we have a means of making the other side heavy. And that is good akhlaq. In one hadith, the Prophet was asked, Ya Rasulullah, what is the one factor that will help the people get to Jannah the most? What is that one thing I should concentrate on to get to Jannah the most? He said, Taqwallahi wa husnal khuluq. The taqwa of Allah, and this is iman, we have to have taqwa, right? And husnal khuluq. Compared or paired together with good manners. And therefore, dear brothers and sisters, this shows us that good akhlaq are of the easiest ways to get to Jannah. And what this means is that the person who doesn't have good akhlaq, he, he will have sins that cause him to go to Jahannam. What saved him from Jahannam? It wasn't necessarily his ibadah. It wasn't necessarily his tahajjud, his Quran. What is the one thing that will cause people to go to Jannah the most? Which means what? If they didn't have it, they wouldn't go. Which means what? They're sinners. So for the sinner, what is his main hope? Obviously after iman and taqwa and forgiveness of Allah, it is his good akhlaq. And this is of the greatest blessings of good akhlaq. And the seventh blessing and the final one for our khutbah. And obviously there are so many more blessings, but time does not permit us to get into them. The seventh blessing of good akhlaq. And no doubt this is a blessing that is very sweet for all of us to hear about. And it is a blessing that we are should all be greedy of, desirous of. Our Prophet ﷺ told us that the closest of you to me on the day of judgment and in Jannah will be those who have the best akhlaq. And the furthest of you from me on the day of judgment and in Jannah will be those who have the worst akhlaq. 
Your akhlaq will dictate even your interactions with the Prophet in the next life. أَقْرَبُكُمْ minni manzilan. The ones who will have the closest status, the, the closest place to me, will be those who have the best akhlaq. And the ones who have the furthest place away from me, the ones who are the most despised, will be the ones who have the worst akhlaq. And then he said, the ones who have the, the vulgar wording, and they always draw uh, a vainglorious attention to themselves, and they are the ones who are the most arrogant. Again, this uh, al-fahish, al-mutafahish, al-badi, it's a common phrase repeated in many uh, ahadith, and the point being, this person, his manners, his tongue, his, his, his demeanor, is always that of a foul-mouthed person. Brothers and sisters in Islam, akhlaq is of the quintessential realities of our faith, of our religion. Our Prophet was sent to perfect good manners. You cannot be a good Muslim without having good akhlaq. Good akhlaq go hand in hand with being a mu'min. And our Prophet ﷺ clarified this in so many ahadith. And no doubt, brothers and sisters, your akhlaq are demonstrated throughout the day and night. But I have to mention this one point here before we pause for the second khutbah. And that is, the main audience of your akhlaq will be your family. And their family is the ultimate test of your akhlaq. And this is exactly what our Prophet ﷺ said. Back to the same hadith I quoted earlier in another version of it. He said, the best of you in your iman are the, are the best in your akhlaq. And the best of you in your akhlaq are those who are best to their families and their wives. And I am the best of you to my family, to my, to my uh, ahli, to my family. And therefore, dear brothers and sisters, we cannot talk about akhlaq except that we emphasize the primary audience of akhlaq are not the people you meet for five minutes a day. They're not the people you see in the masjid and you smile. No doubt, that's also akhlaq. They're not your colleagues and co-workers that you sit with for two, three hours for lunch. No doubt, that is also akhlaq. Your real akhlaq are shown in front of your spouse, in front of your children, in the privacy of your house, day in and day out, when there's nobody looking at you except for the person you're living with. Now, how is your akhlaq? That is the real test, as our Prophet ﷺ said. The best of you iman are those in the best of akhlaq, and the best in akhlaq are those who are the best to their families. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us all to be of those who have good akhlaq. Barakallahu alaykum fi Qur'an al-Azim wa nafa'ani wa yaakum bima fihim al-ayati wa dhikr al-hakim. Aqulu ma tasma'oon wa astaghfirullah al-Azim li wa lakum wa risa'il muslimin kulla dhammin fastaghfiruhu innahu huwa al-ghafuru al-rahim. الحمد لله الحمد لله الواحد الأحد الصمد الذي لم يلد ولم يولد ولم يكن له كفوا أحد وبعد Before we finish off the khutbah we must mention what exactly is good akhlaq What does it mean to have good akhlaq And when you look at the books of our scholars and the books of the, the scholars of adab you find pages and pages of definitions and so many different you know beautiful statements for example one of the scholars says that the, this uh, good akhlaq is summarized in the hadith of the process and do unto others as you would like done unto yourself and this is true and this is the golden rule that do unto others what you would want done unto you that don't show other people what you yourself would not like to be shown another uh, famous uh, sahabi ibn abbas Ibn Abbas said that good akhlaq means to be patient, sabr, when somebody shows ignorance to you. 
and to control your anger when somebody irritates you and to forgive when somebody wrongs you. To repeat, this is a beautiful definition. Number one, he said, to be patient, sabr. When somebody causes you to lose your patience, you are patient. Number two, he's gone more than this. He's actually made you angry. You control your anger. And the Arabic word is hilm. You're, you're controlling your anger. And then beyond this even, if you feel like doing something, then number three is afu and maghfirah, forgive the person. This is the perfection of akhlaq. Another classical scholar, he said that the essence of akhlaq is to control one's anger and to show happiness at all times and to help out all of the Muslims. To control one's anger because the fact of the matter is anger is the number one factor that fears with, that interferes with good akhlaq. When you're angry at somebody, when you're irritated at somebody, that is when you will show him bad akhlaq. The fact of the matter, brothers and sisters, you don't even need to be a Muslim to show good akhlaq to somebody who's good to you. It is human nature. When somebody is good to you, you're going to be good to them. You don't even need belief in Allah to do this. Human nature, right? Where does that belief come out? To control your anger and to still give a smiley face, a happy cheerfulness. And this is narrated in the hadith uh, of Anas ibn Malik where the, the famous hadith where in the ninth year of the Hijrah when the Prophet was blessed with a lot of wealth to distribute. And this was in Hunayn. And one of the chieftains of the Bedouins came up to him and he grabbed him by the collar and he jerked off his uh, upper uh, izar, or the upper rida. He jerked it off and he left a red mark here. And he said to him harshly, Ya Muhammad sallallahu give me some of this money that Allah has given you. And this is a pure Bedouin acting in a crude manner. And no doubt he deserved to be reprimanded at least. But our Prophet turned and saw who this man was. And Anas says he laughed and he commanded that he be given some of this money. He laughed in the face of this harshness and utter disrespect. That wallahi, if somebody who is older than you did it, you will get angry. How about when you are doing it to Rasulullah what do you deserve? And yet our Prophet turned, overlooked this. And he laughed and he ordered some money to be given to this Bedouin chieftain. The point being, the, the, the definition of akhlaq means you need to control your irritation, your contempt at somebody else. And treat the other person in a cheerful manner, even even when your heart is not feeling that cheerfulness. That's what akhlaq is all about. Others said, another definition of akhlaq, that akhlaq means you be shy. You be shy and modest and minimize irritating others and be truthful when you speak and you do much and talk little. Your actions speak louder than your words. You do much, but you talk little. This is good akhlaq. Don't just say, oh, I'll help you out. Help out the person and then don't say anything. This is good akhlaq. You do much, but you talk little. That you show through your actions, what does it mean to be good akhlaq? And there are so many other definitions, we can go on and on. But wallahi, my dear brothers and sisters, the fact of the matter, when you try to define that which is obvious, you end up being more problematic than not defining it. Everybody knows what is good akhlaq. Everybody knows without having been taught what is good akhlaq. It is ingrained in us by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because He loves it. So He has ingrained it in us. We know always in a situation what is the best thing to do, what is the better thing to do, what is the okay thing to do, and what is the wrong thing to do. We know it. In every situation that we are in, we know the spectrum. 
We know what is the best and what would the Prophet have done. And what does Islam tell me to do? We don't need to go to a faqih and an alim and a sheikh and a mufti and say, Sheikh, do I need to smile? Do I? No, you don't need to ask anybody. Wallahi, your heart knows it and my heart knows it. What is the perfection of akhlaq? What is something that, okay, it's not perfection but still better? What is average and mediocre and what is less than average? And the fact of the matter, we don't need to define that which is definition is self-evident. And our religion tells us to have the best of all manners. Our Prophet said, I have only been sent to perfect these good manners. And before we conclude, we also need to point out that our scholars say that there are three categories of manners. Akhlaq with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and akhlaq with other people and akhlaq with yourself. And our Prophet was sent to perfect akhlaq in all three of these categories. Akhlaq with Allah means you are humble in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You are obedient. You are worshipping. You show ibadah. You love Allah. You are scared of His punishment. You glorify Him the way He deserves to be glorified. This is the essential akhlaq of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that is ubudiyya. We are the abd of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We are the servants of Allah and our akhlaq means we show it that we are abd of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And akhlaq to humans, we all know this as well. There's akhlaq to your parents akhlaq to your elders, akhlaq to your spouses, akhlaq to your children, akhlaq to your neighbors, akhlaq to your teachers. All of these are discussed in the books of Adab. These are akhlaq that we give to human beings. And each human has a certain right over us. Even non-Muslims, they have rights over us. Our religion is not like other religions. When we're supposed to be good to Muslims, we're also be supposed to be good to non-Muslims. We show them the humanity. The famous hadith comes to mind where the Prophet was sitting and the funeral of a Jewish person went by. And he stood up to honor the person. And the Sahaba said, Ya Rasulullah, this is a Jew. He's a Jew. He's not a Muslim. Why are you standing up? And our Prophet ﷺ said, Wasn't he a human? Wasn't he a human? That this is a dead person. I'm just standing up to respect the person. And Ibn An-Nawawi uh, comments on this hadith in Sahih Muslim. An-Nawawi says that he showed him the ukhuwa of humanity. The ukhuwa of humanity. This is a human being. He's, his family is in distressing situation. They're walking by. I'm just standing up to show respect. We believe that good akhlaq are shown to all Muslim and non-Muslim. We don't have a double uh, relationship in this regard. This is akhlaq with others. Then we have akhlaq with ourselves. And akhlaq with ourselves means we take care of our body, we take care of our health, that we do things that are appropriate for us. Remember the famous hadith of Salman al-Farsi and others of the Sahaba, that they would not eat properly, they would fast too much, they would give up you know, being nice to their wives or, or being intimate with their wives, and they thought this is religion. And what did the Prophet say? Verily, your wife has a right over you, your guest has a right over you, and your body has a right over you. This is akhlaq with your own body, that we take care of it, that uh, we, we treat it in the manner that Allah wants us to treat, all three of these akhlaq our Prophet came to perfect and one final point my dear brothers and sisters let us not go to the two common extremes unfortunately these two extremes are all too common especially in the modern Muslim society the first extreme is the extreme of the let's say the ultra fanatical uh, people and they all they care about is just the worship and the letter of the law and they don't care about being nice to other people they're more concerned about Things that might not be the most important on the list. How do you dress? How do you look? What is this? What is that? But they don't find the akhlaq to treat other people. And they're only worried about following the letter of the law. And this is one extreme. And it is an overzealousness that our religion does not encourage. And the other extreme is those people who will 
concentrate more on akhlaq, even to the expense of basic worship, and they will say, oh, as long as I'm good to other people, that is all that counts. No, my dear brothers and sisters, taqwa and husn al-khuluq have been paired together in so many ahadith. Taqwa and good manners. And taqwa means you are praying, you are avoiding the major sins. The one who only has good akhlaq, this is not enough. This is not enough. And the one who only has ibadat and bad akhlaq, that too is not enough. And we conclude by two hadith that talk about both of these extremes. And this is the final point of our khutbah. The first hadith is the extreme of the one who doesn't have uh, a good akhlaq, he only has bad akhlaq. That the Prophet said, hadith is in Sahih Bukhari. Do you know who is the real beggar or the one who is bankrupt in my ummah? Al-Muflis is the one who is bankrupt. He declares bankruptcy. Do you know who is the one who is truly bankrupt? They said the bankrupt or the Muflis is the one, he doesn't have anything. It's all been given to his debtors. And our Prophet said, no. The real Muflis is the one who comes on the day of judgment. And his good deeds are like the mountains. Hasanatuhu kal jibal. He has good deeds, mashallah, all the way up. But he has cursed this person. And he has hit that person. And he has harmed that person. And in front of his eyes, all of those good deeds will be given to these people until he is left completely bankrupt. That is the real muflis. And this shows us, my dear brothers and sisters, that the one who has lots of personal ibadat, but he is lying and backbiting and stealing and harsh and vulgar, of what use is that ibadat? When it didn't affect in his akhlaq. And conversely also we have a hadith that Aisha says that, O Messenger of Allah, you know my great uncle Ibn Jud'an, Abdullah Ibn Jud'an, our Prophet ﷺ met him. Aisha actually did not meet him. She was too young. She, she was born after he died. Our Prophet ﷺ met Ibn Jud'an. He was a very senior uh, friend of Abdul Muttalib and he was a very generous person and he would feed the hujjaj and he would do many things. So Aisha says, O Messenger of Allah, my great uncle Ibn Jud'an, you remember Ibn Jud'an? What will be his fate? Will Allah forgive him and cause him to enter Jannah? You know he was so nice to the people. And what did our Prophet ﷺ say? No, O son, O daughter of a Siddiqah, no. Because never once did he say, O my Lord, forgive me. Meaning what? Never once did he have ibadah of Allah. There was no lowering of the head. There was no actual khushu of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All that he did, he did it for the prestige of the people. Let them know that I'm generous. Let them know that I'm this. Let them know that I'm that. Never once did he actually say, Ya Rabb, ighfirli. When there's no spirituality, when there's no ibadah, it doesn't matter how much mu'amala you have. It doesn't matter how much akhlaq you have. Why should Allah reward you when you didn't worship and believe in Him? And so my dear brothers and sisters, we are between the two extremes. We are people of faith and action. Taqwa and husn al-khuluq. We pray five times a day and we also show people the best of manners. And when we do this, then and only then can we use these ahadith and pray that inshaAllah ta'ala our akhlaq will act as a shafa'ah for us. Our akhlaq will cause us to go to the highest place of Jannah. Our akhlaq will be the heaviest things in the scales. Allahumma inni da'in fa'aminu. Allahumma la ta'da'ala fi hadhi nawmi dhamman illa ghafarta wala hamman illa farrajta wala daynan illa qadayta wala maridan illa شفيته ولا عسيرا إلا يسرته اللهم اغفر لنا ولإخواننا الذين سبقونا بالإيمان ولا تجعل في قلوبنا غلا للذين آمنوا ربنا إنك رؤوف رحيم اللهم أعز الإسلام والمسلمين اللهم أعز الإسلام والمسلمين اللهم أعز الإسلام والمسلمين اللهم من أرادنا أو أراد الإسلام والمسلمين بالسوء فأشغله بنفسه واجعل تدميره في تدبير
تدبيره يا قوي يا عزيز عباد الله إن الله تعالى أمركم بأمر بدأ به بنفسه وثنى بملائكة قدسه وثلث بكم أيها المؤمنون من جنه وإنسه فقال عز من قائل عليما إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل وسلم وبارك وأنعم على عبدك رسولك محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين عباد الله إن الله تعالى يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وثائر القربة وينهى الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعظكم لعلكم تذكرون أذكروا الله العظيم يذكركم واشكروه يزد لكم ولذكر الله تعالى أكبر وأقم الصلاة